Swing on, swing on, swing on. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. I can write a book on how to Hope you're out there swinging, not in the rain, swinging somewhere in Houston listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. The phone lines are open just for you if you want to. Join us. If you want to talk anything from football to these Astros, or if you want to join us for the Astros game coming up this Friday, 7 o'clock, a little bit after 7 actually. But we'll be pre-gaming, and we'll be getting ready for the festivities, hopefully catching some Astros home runs. Not, I don't want a trout ball. Mm-mm. I say that now, and I'm the first one to back, you know, just put it up. Yeah. Like, throw it back. I'm like, no, like, just let me keep it. I'm keeping that. Um, I hope that nobody shows up with a, a mitt. Let's go ahead and put that out there. <laughs> Uh, don't be mitt guy. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Tyler throws up the knuckles. Here. Yeah. <laughs> no, that was me breaking in my glove. Oh, it no, I'm going to bring saying, it. I thought he was saying he was going to give them, whoop them up if they show up with a mitt. What's the cutoff? Like anything over 13 years old and you probably shouldn't be bringing a glove to the game? What's what's, you, the, what's the cutoff? Yeah, I would... Yeah, twelve. Because thirteen, you're a teenager. Yeah. Like you don't want to. Teenagers don't want to look like dorks at a baseball game. What's the cutoff? Quicker the mitt in the outfield at a game or the catch the foul ball for a free snow cone? What's the cutoff for that? Ten, eleven. I've seen I've seen a grown ass high school kid still getting the you know you catch the foul ball not at a professional game but you know you're at the you're at the baseball fields boom foul ball you used to be able to go get a snow cone mm. sometimes a sour straw. 18-year-old kid in line, he's driving up. <laughs> and you're like, what are you, I mean, come on, what are you doing? Man, that's like the uh, the older guy that, that pushes the kid down to get the ball yeah. at the ballpark. You well, see I mean, that, too? At big league games, they don't, they don't care about having to get the ball back, so they're not doing that whole buyback program. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I'm going to say this. If we're in the Crawford box, if there's a home run coming near me, I'm throwing bows. I'm yeah. trying to get that thing because I've never caught any ball at a game. Are you bare fisted? Yeah, yeah. Or my hat, or my whatever. Hat. Yeah. yeah, I One think I'm two. hat guy. First. Yeah, I'd go with hat. I mean, you got a better chance of not breaking your hand, and it's pretty easy to catch with that. Too. Oh, and it depends on like where the reach is. Like, if you got to reach over somebody, use the hat. If not, just try and say the ball. Try an angel in the outfield. It mm. say it's not a clean catch, and it hits you first, and you bobble it. It was semi in your possession, and it kind of rolls. It trickles down the row, and then now you look up, and it's a kid, and you're pretty much at the same distance. Is it free game because you had it first? Trout mm, might not be. Uh, maybe it wasn't meant to be at that point. Yeah, if you don't catch it cleanly. Yeah, because I've gotten a ball <laughs> at batting practice, but never at a like a live game. So that would be cool to have, but you can't be the guy like taking away from the kid at the ballpark. Oh, you'll make TV. You you know, real quick yeah, for that. You, you will. You can't do that. Now, what if it's like a trout home run and people start chanting, throw it back? You throwing it back? I, I'm, I'm doing my, oh, I got to take this. <laughs> I'm putting my phone to my ear and walking out, walking up the aisle. I'm keeping it. Like I said, I've never caught a ball during a game. You try to make up for it, just out of nervous, you just grab a beer and just chug yeah. it like this. Yeah. Hey, if it's Albert Pujols, I'm throwing that thing back. Maybe. Yeah, I don't de- know. Definitely. There's certain play, and, and maybe I might throw my trout ball back. To dep- okay, does it make it worse if it's like the game winner? You know what I mean? Like say it's Ooh. a walk. Well, I would guess it wouldn't be a walk-off here, obviously, but if it's. If it's that one that gives them the lead, 
you know, and then the, the go ahead, yeah, the go ahead, and then all of a sudden you're holding that ball thing. You know, the ninth inning comes, it's two outs for the home team, and everyone's just looking at you like, uh, yeah, throw it. <laughs> but isn't it funny how if you were catching like Barry Bonds's, you know, home run breaking ball or one of Mark McGuire's. Nobody's yelling at you that you have to throw it back. Yeah. Boys, you know what I mean? They were in canoes out there. Yeah. Remember that? It was. I remember coming home from school just just whenever it was the uh, Sosa and McGuire going back. You know, for that for that little while, and it was. They, man, it was the marquee games. You know, they were showing them. You were just seeing people just diving over. I mean, yeah, nets and all kinds <laughs> of stuff. Yeah. I mean, you you want that baseball, and, and the baseball is a funny thing, right? Like. I saw Seinfeld did a bit about that. Like, you know, think about it. When the manager comes walking out to pull a pitcher, like, give me the ball. You know, they kind of like demasculate. You know what I mean? Like, there's a million balls, but I want the one that you're holding. You're out of the game. You know, they, they <laughs> like, take it from you. We have a million balls, but that you have to give the manager that ball. Yeah, don't do me like that. It's, it's like a, you know, like a cop. Like, give me your badge and gun. Well, you know I mean, what I mean? <laughs> that's probably why Tyler Bauer and all. Well, I don't want to call him Tyler Bauer because it looks bad on my name. <laughs> but Trevor Bauer, whenever uh, uh, who, whenever uh, Tito came out there to pull him. He just launched it into center field. He did. And just blame that on his uh, toxic masculinity, I guess. <laughs> yeah, if I'm you would have th- been throwing it like that the whole time, I wouldn't have had to pull you out of it. In the Little League game, I'm throwing him out if I'm umping right there, right? You, you got to make an example of that guy. But then you got, like, let's go back to Blake Snell. Remember last year, that situation, when they took him out and he was just, like, cussing? He's just like, oh, yeah. Remember, he was throwing a gym. <laughs> you remember? And then yeah. they got hit. Remember, he's just that like, was in a playoff game, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, you remember that. And he was just like, "Oh my gosh, I want to, I want to go back to remember exactly what what uh, inning it was." But I mean, he was throwing I think it was the gym sixth. And maybe. He, remember, he was cussing, and you're just like, you felt his pain. You're yeah. thinking, if you got him there, that's why. Even yesterday, when I thought about Grinky, and that, it was at 91 pitches, and you're thinking, man, please don't blow this. Mm-hmm. Like, just please don't blow this. 91 pitches. That was, I believe, the most pitches for any Astros pitcher, uh, starting pitcher, in outing. Um, just don't blow this, you know. Again, some of these coaches are quick to pull them. And last year, a lot of used the excuse with the COVID and and trying to save the the arms for more innings. But when you're in the playoffs, I think it was elimination game at that, I, I believe, or 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 close to one of those. It was a it was a pivotal game. I remember that in the playoffs. Yeah, Snell got pulled early. I think in both his starts against the Astros in the playoffs last year. So I wanted to ask you guys this real quick because you know AJ Hinch came back right. And we did a sports map video about Hinch. As an Astros fan, would you rather have AJ Hinch stop the sign stealing in 2017, say like in the middle of the year? You know, when you heard rumors that he was smashing monitors and he was upset. Like, would you have rather him stopped it in the middle of the season in 2017, or would you have rather him leave Grinky in in Game Seven of the World Series against the Nationals? You, you can only have one as an Astros fan. AJ puts an end to the sign stealing in the middle of the season, 2017, or you can have him go back and leave Grinky in and or pull in Garrett Cole, whatever you want. Just not pull Grinky for Will Harris. Which one are you taking? On a Sunday morning, Josh? Yeah, come on. I'm getting, It's easy. I'm going the latter because yep. if he does that, then that's arguably a second World Series. Yep. And that's at the same time whenever all this stuff came out – they can prove that the the trash cans, all that stuff, wasn't being done in 18 and 19. So it's a legit World Series, even though everybody's going to say it's not, and he's still on the team. 
I'm with you. I say I would take leaving Grinky in, like overstopping the sign stealing scandal. That should tell you everything you need to know about Astros fans. Jerry, which one are you taking? It's tough. I, I, I'm leaving Grinky in. Though. Yeah. I, I remember that feeling that day. It was empty. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. if you're listening out there right now, you remember, you just knew. Like, it was a matter of time. You're pacing around your TV, you know, and you're thinking, like, don't. Do, y'all don't blow this. Like, Grinky was Grinky dealing, had, man. Grinky had this. He had those boys guessing. I mean, they. it was routine outs. Yes. One after another. And then whenever, I remember the first time I even thought remotely that they were going to take him out. I'm thinking, I mean, I stood up. I'm just like, oh, hell no. Me too. You know? I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, what is going on out here? I'm yelling. And then, and then it just, I slowly just sat down and I just thought to myself, like, don't overreact. <laughs> and he, the, the thing is, he sent Garrett Cole to the bullpen. And it's like, dude, yeah, why is he out there? Like, just <laughs> warm him up. Bring him in. Who cares? Just bring him in. At this point, if you would have brought him, I would have died with that and been uh, yeah. like, you know what? You live with that. If, if Cole gives it up, you can live with that. Because you're at that point, you are all in. All in right there. And Cole was all in mentally because that's why he didn't even want to do interviews right after. You remember yeah. that? He was pissed. He went to the dark side yeah. right after. He put, he changed hats real quick, and he was just no interview. You're thinking he wanted he, he wanted that ball. You know, If you make him get up there, you make that horse get up there, you let that horse run. And it just that's just one of the moments in Astros history, man, that, that I'm always going to wonder. But, again, if they told you that, that you would have the chance to win a World Series, just win the home game. <laughs> no, you, no, you you would take it. You would take. You know it. what I mean? Just yeah. just win a home game. No, it, it, the other thing I think is interesting too. If it, we also did a sports video, a sports map video about this, guys, check out Sports Map on YouTube. We we do some really cool topics and ideas. So the other one is, if the scandal would have went just like it went, but AJ had stopped it halfway through the season, and then Mike Fires ends up ratting on him a couple years later, like it already happened. If it would have went down like that, to where AJ stopped it before the playoffs. So, you know, the Yankees, all those games, the Dodgers, they stopped it before the playoffs, but it came out that during the regular season they were doing the trash can thing. Do you think the public would view the Astros the same as they do right now? Or would they still be like, oh, they were cheaters. They wouldn't have had that good a record and home field advantage anyway, so they're cheaters. Or or do you think they're like, well, they didn't do it in the playoffs? I mean, they, they're still catching hate right? for saying. this, so I, I don't think it would have mattered yep. either way. And There's would studies. they have believed it? Would they have believed that they stopped if they didn't have There's to? studies right now that show that, that it didn't work and that they yeah. had stopped. And, you know, I mean, we remember the the uh, reports that Altuve was telling them, like, man, I don't want to even mess with it. It's, it's affecting me. Yeah. You know, it's making me overthink things. Like, now I'm... I always use the term thinking about thinking, you know, like he was thinking about thinking. And that's uh, at one point, I think that's what ended up setting him back because that's not the he doesn't need that. Nope. At one point, I'm like, man, this is cool. You know, you you try a few swings and you're like, man, this is cool knowing. But that's not you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Now you're having to add a whole nother dimension of timing. Baseball is all timing. Hitting is, I mean, to, in particular, it's all timing. Now you're having to throw in another factor of timing in the way that that you relay that message to thinking to action i mean you can't teach it don't change why are you going to change altuve he didn't need it he didn't and if we believe that chart they put out he, he hardly used it at all it was about like two percent or something like that so some guys don't want to know no matter what study comes out though now no matter what happens the astros you see the guys that are getting booed they're not even on the team on that team you know what <laughs> right I mean? like 
So no matter what happens, it could be 10 years from now. It's going to be somebody's kids' kids. They're going to come out and still say, trash can banger, you know, yep. cheater. That's never going to go away, ever. Just know that because the Astros have how many World Series? Mm, that one. And it happened yep. that year. That year. No so that's why what. that Grinky thing would be so much better, right? If they left Grinky in and they won that second chip. People would view them a lot differently, I think. 713-780-3776. Come on, I want to hear you. I want to get you in the Crawford boxes. I want to have you drinking beer, eating all the hot dogs, nachos in the house. We're going to cheer on the Astros Friday night. Call in. Let's see who wants the tickets. Moneyline ESPN 97.5. I get those goosebumps every time. Yeah, when you're not around, when you throw that to the side. ESPN 97.5. Love it, man. 25 lighters on my dresser, dresser. I got stuck at payday. We got 25 lighters on the dresser, yes, sir. You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. 25 lighters on the dresser. The NFL, they laid them out straight. And they picked Caesars, FanDuel, and DraftKings in the first wave of sports betting partnerships. So now... There's nothing like being official, you know, in your slogan, if you're allowed to say the official, you know, betting partner of the NFL. Well, now these three companies will. Again, that's Caesars, FanDuel, and DraftKings. What does that mean going forward? We're yet to tell because right now many are saying that the NFL is willing to make deals because of the financial setback from COVID, right? Right now it's a time to... Let's make a deal. We 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 talked about plenty of uh, about it actually of of the TV deals and and trying to get those long deals done and, and that all got settled per se. I know there's still like some that's got to get closed out, but I know for the most part there's a there's yeah. a plan in place. But now they're trying to open up another branch, which is the gambling. And to me, it's crazy if you go back and somebody put you know on Twitter how they do that. How's it going now or however it is, you know, and they two, do two pictures, you know, go back to Goodell saying they'll never be gambling in this league because we got to protect the integrity of this game. Fast forward five years. Now, all of a sudden, there, there there's connections and there's there's a business plan with these gambling companies that to me, that's just I love it. I mean, for my for my end, it just it when I came up gambling, it almost seemed like a like a backdoor game. Mm hmm. You know what I mean? It seemed like, especially like poker. Now for me to go sit at Prime, for example, and sit there and then look around and, and just thinking, man, this was completely different than when I came up. You know, when I came up, it was in warehouses that were built as poker rooms. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? You didn't even know you, you weren't supposed to be there. You know, now you grow up and, and you see a lot of the same dealers. And I'm thinking, man, I remember you from so-and-so room. So, again, it's just it's just different and it's it's exciting to see where, where gambling is going, but at the same time, there's so much money to be had, and the NFL is doing just that. They're securing. They are, and I think they changed because they built what they have off of fantasy football, man. Like, that changed everything. You know, once the NFL saw how much more popular the sport got because of fantasy football, and it's real simple. It's not about your local team anymore when it's fantasy football. Now your audience is interested in all your games because of fantasy and because of gambling. 
they've just been slow to get to the gambling thing. I think we're living in a really cool time, you know, to where we're seeing sports gambling becoming accepted in the NFL partnering, you know, partnering with these guys. It's and like you said, you can go play poker now and you don't have to worry, you know, it's a pretty cool time to be alive. Like things are changing, especially if you love sports, you love gambling. I mean, this is great. And for Texas though, is it's like we're behind the ball. Yeah, and I don't know if that's going to change, but does it matter? I mean, we're already pulling out our phones and betting on games. Like what, you know, I guess it'd be cool like if you were at a horse track to where if you were at NRG, you could just go up and buy a ticket, you know, and to gamble on the game. Like I guess that would be cool. But I don't even have to get up out of my seat and basically do the same thing with my phone. Yeah, and that's 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 what's cut corners off and people saying, man, it's more access. I have more access, and you have actually more uh, more lines you can touch. Yeah. If you go inside a casino, it's limited to what you can bet on some of these apps. So it's, it, it levels itself out. But how you say we're living in an interesting, in, interesting time, how about Amazon saying your game your way when they're envisioning their games the way they're going to do them, and they're trying to get it to where you can get play-by-play within your game from your local feed. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, I thought about that for a second. Like, well, I'm surprised somebody hadn't thought about this before. But that's an awesome idea. So, whatever you're watching the Amazon that Thursday night football game, you can easily go to the feed, a local feed of your team if they're on that night, and not listen to them. Or now they're going to a broadcast that's just completely silent. <laughs> what 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 does that look like? Just a completely silent broadcast on December Saturday, a, a Saturday in December, nineteen eighty. Uh, the Jets beat someone. I don't yeah, even yeah, know yeah. who. I saw the the report, and they were like, "That's the last time there was a, a a game with no commentary." It didn't go over well, right? Like they, I I think they experimented, and people preferred the commentary. I, at, at one point, though, I think that uh, we get to a. You're getting too cute, you know. Like when we talk about with your fantasy football team, mm-hmm. when you're thinking, man, should I sit? Should I sit down? And they start talking about their their starting running back, their number one pick. You're getting too cute. At one point, when we're we're adding slime in the slime in the end zone on Nickelodeon, we're getting too cute. Yeah, you know. No, that's fair. And, and all the and we saw it with the XFL, right? Where you know sideline reporters are just interviewing guys right after they came off the field and they're they're having to dump f-bombs over and over again because you know these guys aren't used to talking on television right after they make a play so no there's something to that and but i do like the romo stuff i know people not everybody likes him but i think it's cool when he predicts a play before it happens and kind of explains what he's seeing it's like i want to learn about football so like i like when romo's calling a game peyton manning when eventually he gets it going, and I think he he'll surpass Romo or anyone, right? I mean, he might have one too many dad jokes. He seems like yeah. he'll, he'll get off course a little bit too much. They're gonna have to bring him back, but I think he he'll be that guy. Oh, he'd be amazing at that. And I think we're about to see Drew Brees. Uh, he signed with one of these major networks, so he's gonna be doing it too. We'll we'll see and, if he's uh, good. What's his tight end? Greg Olson. Oh yeah, he's he actually pretty too. good. Yeah, yeah, Greg Olson's good at calling games. Witten was in the booth for a while too, wasn't he? Ugh, yeah, yeah, that wasn't that great. I want to see them give more run to Pat McAfee. Actually, oh, he's great. He's hilarious during games, and I mean, I think that's why they always want the the former player calling these games because they have better insight than just some guy up in a booth like Ian Eagle or whatever. Like he he's never been in a locker room. He doesn't know like what goes on. He doesn't know like. 
the dynamics of a football team, I mean, sure, they can interview players all they want, but they're not going to get – I feel like sometimes they're not even going to get like the curtain peeled back a little bit for them. Like a, a former player will. They will. And, and especially a likable player like Pat or Greg or Drew. And a younger one, Tyler, to your point. Like football's changed a lot since Phil Sims was playing quarterback. You know what I mean? Like it's very different now. Guys are coming to the line of scrimmage with with three different plays called and they check out of this one and go to that one. Quarterback is done a lot different now and guys like Tony Romo know that whereas guys like Phil Sims they're living in another century, man. They they, they see the game differently. Football's changed a lot since David Cully started. <laughs> you know that's how he, yeah. that's the bar. But yeah, no, you're right, man. It just it it takes a certain because now they're going to try to put just whoever, uh, 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 I guess, smart, head strong quarterbacks, you know, that can maybe explain and paint the game the way it is. They're going to, you know, they're going to run into that one where you're just like, man, this guy's a brick. Yeah. Like, let's get him out of here. But the way it started with Romo, now you're going to have Breeze. And then if you eventually with Manning, the, how do you beat that? You don't. <laughs> I, I don't think you can. No. I mean, it's like watching game tape with an expert. You know, but but you're just doing it on your couch, drinking a beer. I, I love it. How about Joe Buck for Jeopardy? <laughs> I saw this. Man, people were freaking out. I mean, I don't know how to react about this because I think he is good at his job. I think I have a little resentment on him of, as far as the way he is to Houston teams, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think that's what I hold against him. He is good at his job, but Jeopardy? I, I try to hear his voice asking the questions, and I'm just like, man, this just doesn't – what are we doing? No, I, I, I'm not down for that. And and it's been mixed reviews for Aaron Rodgers doing it too. Whenever you have somebody like Trebek that did it for so long, it's going to be hard to get used to, to somebody else in that role. It's just part of the deal. Same thing happened whenever, what, the Price is Right switched over. Yeah. And it, it, it took a while for, uh, what is it, Drew Carey? Yeah. To, to get accepted to that role it was hard for him remember yeah. people didn't want to people didn't want to make the transaction or the transition to to him i actually went to the prices right whenever i lived in california man it's nothing like what they paint to you like you think it's some big old studio i saw the plinko the plinko is, is super little it's like a it's like a window you know and you're thinking like on tv like when they roll it yeah. out no man and it's not it's not even a random in there they screen you like 10 at a time and then they ask you they, they want like the most electric person like hey where are you from and then you're like, you know, Houston. Yeah. Like, why do you want it? Why, why should you be on the contest? And then you just say something wild, just 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 make up something, you know. And then and then before you know it, they would tell you they're like, hey, you're gonna get picked. So I knew like I didn't, but I knew the person next to me was. So whenever they picked the lady next to me, I mean, we're we're different races. I mean, and they they thought I was with them. So when they showed the lady, yeah, come on down. Then they showed the family. They showed us. <laughs> me and my boy are looking around like, <laughs> like cool. We don't even know her. So, I mean, that's what we're asking, right? If we want somebody to win these Astros tickets. Come out. Be hype. Be electric. That's who we're going to give this Astro ticket to. I got to ask, was it Bob Barker or was it Drew Carey when you went, Jerry? Carey. Carey? Okay. Yeah, it was. And you have to go there, man, like at 6 o'clock in the morning. They do a first screening. And then if you pass, and you come like at, at noon. And then they tape it like at 2. So it's like a whole morning event. My friend and I, we stayed up drinking margarita on the rocks all night just thinking, we were in line with margaritas in these cups. That's just sloppy. Thinking that it's about to start right now, man. That hangover is settled in before for before audition too. We go up there, my friend. They're like, "What do you do?" This fool says, "I'm a fisherman." I look at him like, "Fisherman," and and, and I don't want to blow his cover. And then he's like, "I 
I, I, I brought my boat here. He's like, <laughs> he goes into the story. They didn't even let him finish. They were just like, next. Nah, we're, <laughs> we're, we're good. <laughs> next. <laughs> You're listening to Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. This is Moneyline on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. For all my gamblers, this one's for you. So they say, what is gambling, right? To me, it's an art of persuasive speaking, persuasive analysis. I say that why? Because... If it was a line that just was set by numbers or, or odds makers and it stayed at one number, then that would be one thing. But if it's a line that is persuaded, it's moved because of the public perception, then that's a whole different story. And that's where I start my thing. Because I could tell you, X game comes out right now. That's next week. Someone can write one paragraph to give you every narrative on to why that team's going to win. And it's going to sound fantastic. It's going to be persuasive it's going to persuade you to that side on the other side someone's going to be betting that game and they're going to write it up and they're going to give you analysis that it's going to make it look that way again it's not just in sports gambling it's in a lot of topics in life persuasion timing just as it relates to in life as in gambling we talk all the time as if you're going to bet early in the week if you think that the line's going to go for your side later on during the week do you wait timing within a game I try to change the rules, right? Because sports gambling is built for us to lose. That's all right. That's a no. Whenever you're a really good gambler in these casinos, they ban you now. If you win too much, they ban you. Now you people have to get runners and saying, hey, if I want to bet five grand, I got to bet two grand here, 1500 here, 500 here. That's the way they're having to do it now to get away with it. Okay? So right off the top, you know that those lights in Vegas, they're, they're bright and pretty because that's built off of losers. It's supposed to be more for entertainment. So then whenever you play a game like, let's say, blackjack, the odds are set, roulette. You know that it's close to 50-50, then you add in the odds for the greens, whatnot. Now, what throws that off? Whether you hit or stay, the human element. That's what I try to throw in to sports gambling. We know that the numbers, the computer numbers, if we think we have some kind of angle, I guarantee you the sports book, the, 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 the odds maker, they have more angles, more stats than we'll ever have. So what are they doing? They're playing a game that's, let's call it a railroad. It's on a straight road and path, and whether you want to jump in and gamble, they know what they're, they're trying to avoid. They have it all set. To me is how do I ruin their game? How do I ruin their little plan? Can I do it with live betting? Can I do it with if the game starts, if it's Texans plus seven, and then all of a sudden the game starts and the other team scores a touchdown. Now it's Texans plus 11, and the Texans haven't even got the ball. So, like, you're telling me that that whole line insisted that that the line was set at seven, and just because the, the favorite team, obviously they were minus seven, they scored a touchdown on the opening drive. Now you're going to give me four points. Like, how does that make sense? So make it wrong. What does that mean? 
Wait for timing. On basketball, wait for runs. Basketball is one of the games that you have the most runs. It, it can come out and someone comes out 10 to 2, timeout. Now all of a sudden, that whole, that whole line that you've been looking at all day that was minus 3, now it's like minus 6. And you're thinking, dang, it doubled in two and a half minutes? Timing, perception, don't play the game. Don't sit in the car on, on the roller coaster that, that they built for you, that these books built for you, and they know if he sits in that roller coaster and that, on that particular thing, he's going to go up, and then he's going to go down at one point because they have the uh, minus 110, juice. They have better numbers, and then they know that your perception of it is going to change. It's, it's like the blackjack. If you played it by the book, if you had a blackjack card that tells you all the tricks you're supposed to hit here, here, and you played it by the book, you would have ultimate odds. How many people know how to play blackjack exactly by that card? Eventually, they make a mistake, giving the casino even more odds. I play it on the other side, and I say, I want to make that line wrong. Yeah, I'm, if I sit down and play their game, Josh, they're going to beat me. Why can I? Why do I have to do that? Now, all of a sudden, they're allowing me to buy points. How you tell me, man, it was at six and a half. I just bought it to four. Screw all that. How many times have you won doing that? At the end of the game, you're not even scared. You're, you're thinking, man, I'm glad I didn't do that. Like, I'm not even worried about them hitting a field goal. Make the game wrong by perception. Look at it. What are they telling me? What that persuasive thing that I'm reading is how, how true is that? What are they trying to get me to believe? How far is that from what is known? Is it a question mark is known? You study these games so much that whenever I look at the players, I'm looking at little numbers. I'm looking at, okay, 50%. Damn, they, they shot 52% in the first quarter. That's a 33% regression to the mean. What's the mean? I know where their middle is. So the whole time I'm looking at a gap and I'm thinking that gap is going to, Regress, regress, regress to the mean. Again, people ask me, and that's the only reason I'm having this. I have a lot of people ask me all the time, like, what is it you look at? Why, are you, why do you live bet two minutes into a game? Because I'm looking in basketball. I'm looking, okay, starters. Who, who, who is the uh, primary ball handler? So I know as soon as that first TV timeout comes, then I know, do they, make, do they switch primary ball handler? Do they keep it? As soon as now we got three fouls, now we're closer to the bonus. Now all of a sudden, Two fouls are on the best defensive player. That switches a little bit. Now I have an angle. All those things within a game. Is it the favorite that's ahead? Is it the underdog? Because if it's an underdog, then you have more. The favorite's supposed to catch up. Is it the favorite that's blowing them out? Because then they're going to predict more of a blowout because that's what they predicted in the the get-go. Again, there's so many narratives. Don't let them persuade you to believe something that, that has no concrete ground. What are they trying to tell me? Because so and so got injured. Yeah, think opposite. They zig, you zag. So-and-so got injured. We all know that. By the time you get to your computer, I guarantee you that line's already been hammered. Think, is that justified what they're doing, what they're telling me? is that Are they persuading me, or is it literally the numbers that I'm seeing? What are they telling me? And again, there's so many angles to this, and I could go on forever, but just look at it. Did they persuade me to something that has no narrative? What are they telling me? Is it a scheduling? Is it, is it an injury? Is it that this team is that much better than that team? What are they trying to tell me? Is it true? What do I believe? If I believe that, do I need to bet it now or later? Timing. And we'll have more of these talks coming on. But, again, like I get all these questions all the time. Bankroll management, how much should I be betting with this kind of money? But, man, Josh, there's so much to it. There is. I mean, you can't cover everything in one segment. No. You know, there, there, there's just hopefully we can, you know, give you a nugget here or there. And I, I do a lot of that stuff with fantasy football as well. A lot of times you get positive touchdown regression. And by that, I mean, 
you know, a, a great player that maybe he only maybe he has fourteen hundred receiving yards, but he only got four touchdowns that year. You know, and if he would have had ten, then he would have been a top five receiver. You know what I mean? And, and sometimes you have to is that a trend or is that a fluke? And for example, Julio Jones, that dude never seems to get double digit touchdowns. It's like his whole career. Andre Johnson was like that. It, it, just for whatever reason, that guy does not score a lot of touchdowns. But then you could look at other players and you just go, Well, he just got unlucky that year. And and that's when that's when you can really fire on some guys. So look who put up big numbers, yards, and catches, and then maybe somebody that didn't have a lot of touchdowns last season. And then kind of look at their stats. Did they usually have uh, just a few touchdowns, or do they usually have more? And they just had a down year. That's when you can really take advantage. And the, the one other piece of advice: don't pay for a career season. It almost always blows up in your face. You know, Lamar Jackson wins MVP, and then people go and draft him in the second round. You know, Patrick Mahomes throws for 50 touchdowns and then people draft him in the second round. You almost always get screwed when you pay for a career season from somebody because there's almost always regression. You're buying the premium. You are. Just like in stocks. They say don't buy don't buy the rip. You buy the dip. You buy yeah. when it dips. You if, if you're buying it whenever it's on its way up, then you caught it at the right, wrong time. It's you, you missed that bus, per se, in, in fantasy. You think that everyone doesn't know that the guy just came off a career year and he had so many touchdowns, so now it's a matter of who's going to pay the most premium for him? Who? Because at that point, if there's a market for that player at that certain premium, then that creates value to other people that people are overlooking. Again, how do we do this in the in the fantasy world as DFS when everyone, as you look and you start reading, like, man, who am I going to build this my DraftKings around? And then you start looking and you see a lot of people saying the same thing. You know, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry. At that point, you know, if I can fade 50, 60% of the people in that tournament by going against Derrick Henry, what are they trying to tell me, Derrick Henry? Like, what is justified? What is true about that? That he's going to run for 150, 162 touchdowns. 150, 162 touchdowns owned at 60, 70% rather than somebody coming in for 120 and a touchdown at less money yep. at less percent. You see what I'm saying? So always change this, change what they try to tell you. Do what they do different. Everyone always talks about sharps and contrarian betters, contrarian pickers, as it is to, to fantasy. If you if you find yourself doing what everyone else is doing, you're going to lose in this game. Yes. You got to be that guy that takes those risks and justified risk, calculated risk. A calculated gamble or, or calculated risk is an investment to me. That's what I call it. So that's what I do. I, I try to take the gambling out of this and Again, it's gambling. You're going to lose. Yeah. But it's not called winning. Yeah. But you put yourself in the in, in the ultimate position. Last week, in Prime Social, I made the final table, played all those hours, two days. John Granado's on the call. Very first one to go out on the final table. I go all in. Ace King, Ace Queen calls me. I lift. Yeah, hell yes. I'm two to one favorite. Queen comes out, I'm out. 16 hours of poker down one hand, ace-king against ace-queen. It's gambling. If you tell me I'll play that hand 100 times, yeah. I'm going to beat him 2-1 to one on that per se. Yeah. Moneyline, ESPN, 97.5. To call into the HRP listener line, dial 713 780 ESPN. The Affordable Care Act continues to be a complex regulation, and employers must comply. Visit hrp.net for help. Uh, 
This is Money Line on ESPN 97.5. And on ESPN 92.5. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, here's Jerry Bowe and Josh Jordan. Let me pop my collar as such. Italy, Napoli, Inter Milan. Inter Milan, leaders of the Italian Serie A, right? Napoli, fifth. I think in this game we're going to see goals, but this is the way we're going to attack it, and I'll tell you why. I think that there's going to be both teams to score. If you look at Napoli, check it out. They've scored 2 1, 4, 2, 1, 1, 2. In other words, they always get on the board. Napoli at home, they scored double digits, or uh, I'm sorry, multiple goals. 4, 3, 2, 2 in their last four. So in the last four, they've scored, what, 7, 9, 11 goals. On the opposite end, though, they give up goals. They've given up 3, 1, 1, 0. Inter Milan's going to put the ball in the back end of the net. That I can, I'm not going to say guarantee you because it's a gamble, but that's what I'm banking on. I'm banking on that Inter Milan can get on the board. I'm not so much worried about Napoli because they score at home. That's what they do. I think that they're going to chase this game knowing that they got to chase them in the standings. A tie doesn't do them no good knowing that they're three down point three points down in the standings to Juventus. Look for goals here. I think they come early, go ahead and hit first half over, hit both teams to score. I'm going to smash that bet, and it's this afternoon at 145 Central Standard Time. And so you can pop your collar. There you go. And let's pop our collars on this one, Jerry. This uh, came out. It's a little over-under prediction for all the teams in the NFL this year, how many games that they will win. They put out their lines. Keep in mind, we have an extra game this year, so this is going to kind of change how we we handicap things with the extra game. Texans tied with Detroit, and I didn't see if maybe there was one other team. Over-under is at five. I mean, they won four with with Deshaun last year. Uh, I I don't know. I'm leaning towards the under. What do you think? Man. Now that you put it that way, when you say five, but then now we have an extra added mm-hmm. game. So what if it was a 16-game season? We're talking about that they'd have like a four-and-a-half yeah. win total, four. Yeah. And, and and then they won four with Deshaun. What do you think, T? Just Are, are they going to be better, one game better than they were last season? Was it a team that was maybe checked out of some of those games? What do you think? Now, I mean – I'm not going to speak for Tyler, but I don't. I don't see them winning more games this year. I mean, Deshaun at best will play maybe half the season for you. I just and, and here's the other thing that bothers me: the over under for the Colts ten games, the over under for Jacksonville six, the over under for Tennessee nine and a half. So I mean, every other team in the division is predicted to be pretty good. Yeah, that it's just going to be unwatchable next season. <laughs> uh, like. I don't even know that there's any like any fantasy players that might salvage like some viewership for them, but I I don't think they're yeah like you said like Deshaun's I don't think he's going to play at all next season, and I mean yeah they may win one or two here and there, but it's not going to be anything like years past. The Twitch line said it over uh, over under eight games that he plays this season. Eight games right now, would you bet it at minus 110? And I think that that is the number, but I think I'd probably lean. I'll, I'll lean to the under. You know, we had um, Mike Florio on with the bench the other day, our, our morning weekday show, and we also took that video and put it on YouTube. So go to Sportsmap HOU if you want to watch the interview. And Florio had an interesting take about – if we do see these settlements happen with Deshaun, he thinks it's going to happen here in the next couple of weeks. And his point is that the goal is to settle if you're Busby. 
he thinks there's a there's a window here in the next couple of weeks where you can get the most amount of money in settlement, get all this stuff taken care of, get Deshaun more worried about playing football, whatever punishment is going to come from the league, go ahead and and get that started. And he thinks in the next couple of weeks that's when that is going to happen. And the reason why is he says if you wait too long and Rusty Harden you know uses all these resources and, and, and goes through you know all these accounts of what happened with Deshaun and they, they put all this money into Deshaun's defense and get Deshaun ready to have his statements together and to have Deshaun saying all the right things. His point is is once they get so prepared, then they're like, screw it, let's just go to trial. We've already put in all this time, effort, and money at this point. Let's just go to trial and let the chips fall where they may. So Florio's point is, is before you hit that line where Rusty Harden and, and Watson are, are ready to go, you want to try and negotiate and get that thing taken care of because then Busby gets a good amount of money for Deshaun's side. Uh, you, you know, you get hopefully some NDA signed and this thing kind of goes away and, and the victims get get to be heard and get their stuff taken care of as well. So he thinks maybe in the next couple of weeks, and I, I find it interesting that the draft is in the next couple of weeks. So if they somehow did negotiate this out and the draft isn't here yet the only thing i think that would keep a team from trading for deshaun there is you want to know what the nfl is going to say are they going to suspend you for eight games like you don't want to trade for a guy if you don't know if he's going to play for you so i don't know if you're going to get a decision from the nfl even if even if these cases go away and they get settled they may not if you don't know what's going to be the deal with deshaun you're not going to want to pay him all that money to not play what does it mean when one of the accusers, we know that the judge ordered that they have to come forward with name, they can't use Jane yeah. Doe no more mm-hmm. or any longer? Well, what does that one that says that she's going to back up for now, but for now? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what does that mean? So for now? So what happens if he does settle with all these other ones and then she has a change of heart saying, you know what, they got paid. I got, you know, that's the, that's the only thing. And that's why last week I was so careful the way I approached this. I'm going to be so careful again because both sides, I've heard both sides, you know, and, and I just stand in the middle and I'm like, man, I don't want to accuse them. But at the same time, if I was a betting man, I know there's something funny going on, but I'm not going to accuse them, blah, you know, leave it there. But somewhere along that line, there had to maybe been one or one that was like, man, is this my chance to maybe, you know, uh, get out of this without making my name public and, and getting in trouble that way? Do I, do I have a case? Is my case as strong as these other ones? You know, you start wondering, you start saying, man, let me back up. But then if you back up now, that's when, when they said for now, I'm thinking, how is he ever going to shake this? That's where I get to. Like, how is he going to shake this? If, if, if there was this many that came forward, imagine the ones that aren't coming forward yeah. because that's, you know how it is. It's not as easy as for these, these victims to come forward and just say, he did this. There's a lot to go to it. So th- say there's a little group of five, six, seven of them. They're like, man, I'm not coming forward. Uh, and then they see all them get paid, and they're like, you know what? I feel some type of way, and he's already traded or something. Like, when does he ever beat this shadow? That's the problem, right? Because something else could pop up. <laughs> you, you know, what, I got it, a feeling it will, and it, it definitely could. I mean, if he's getting over a hundred massages a year, you know, who knows what what could be out there that we don't know about? And the one that backed out, I think. You know, she didn't want to have to deal with some of the death threats and some of the other things. Coming at some him. of these other women are dealing with, with. I totally get. You know, nobody wants to put up with that. So, I think because we're talking about it, how many games does Deshaun play? 
Florio also had another good point. He thinks Deshaun is going to show up if he hasn't been put on the exempt list or anything like that. He thinks he's going to show up, and here's why. He's going to need that $10 million to pay for Rusty Harden. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's going to need that a, money. And his Clemson helmet, though, <laughs> <laughs> he might. He, I'd refuse to wear it. But, but then, like, okay, so he shows up. Like, is he even like acting like he's going to play football? Like, is he just going to be like sandbagging the whole time? Like, oh yeah, whatever. Just that could happen, right? Like, but look, I think his reputation has taken such a hit. He can't afford to do that. No. You know, he has to show up and and be all about football and be professional because I mean, it looks bad. So I think he will try and play and and he needs that money and you know, we had a Granado on one of those videos real quick. He said that that he knew somebody that had to talk to Rusty Harden. He had some issues. Rusty Harden starts at a million bucks just to get started with Rusty. That's a million dollars. And Deshaun didn't want to pay the hundred thousand for the first girl that you know sued him. Wow, maybe paying that hundred thousand might have been the move. All right, let's end the show like this. We have a winner. The Astros game ticket goes to Jeff. Jeff, you're the winner. You said you're going to drink all those beers. You're going to eat all those hot dogs. Twenty seven. Twenty seven hot dogs. I'll give you. A, I'll shoot you a text with the uh, with the details. See you Friday. As for everyone else, check, thank you, thank you so much for checking in the money line. That's Josh Jordan. And that's Tyler Cito. I'm Jerry Bonos. Enjoy your Sunday. Peace. ESPN ninety seven five.